love most about the game? I love most about the game is that this is true now. Okay, this is true. I love most about the game is that I can literally go out there and hit a man consistently and pound him and the police not come. That is the most enjoyable moment about ball is to go out there and just really abuse somebody. And then they won't say nothing about it in the press, anything. I ain't on no headlines and handcuffs, no mud shots, no nothing. I might have just physically abusing a man. <laughs> Good evening and welcome everyone. You are listening to episode 93 of This Week in Sports. I'm your host, The Pody. That clip that you just heard right there was a great, great addition to the NFL, and that would be Falcons' second-round pick, Marlon Davidson, talking about the best part of football is that he can hit people and not go to jail. I think that is hysterical. It is so true, and the Falcons got themselves a steal there. Kid out of Auburn, he's going to be a beast. He has a serious motor. As you guys know, I did not have an episode last week, and that is because we had the NFL draft, uh, the virtual 2020 NFL draft, and it it was an interesting one. Um, there was concerns over whether it was going to be hacked, how it would play out, if there was going to be glitches or anything like that. In fact, none of that happened that we know of. On the contrary, this was a resounding success. Me and my friends for the first two days on Thursday and Friday, first round and then second and third rounds, we hopped on Zoom, actually, and we Zoomed each other while we watched the draft, and it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I wore my Jets gear and, and and whatnot, and and it was really cool because you got to see a different side of the NFL draft. You got to see the coaches in their homes. Cliff Kingsbury and Jerry Jones have monster places they were doing the draft from. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, man, his house was unbelievable, and then Jerry Jones looked like he was in a spaceship. On the contrary, he was actually doing the draft from inside his $250 million yacht. So uh, yeah, must be nice when you're Jerry Jones. Okay. There was no surprises really. We had Joe Burrow going first overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm pretty sure we knew about that pick months and months ago. Okay. Chase Young obviously went to the Redskins. Uh, Jeff Okuda went to the Lions. The Giants selected Andrew Thomas. Tua went uh, five to the Dolphins. And then Justin Herbert went six to the Chargers. So three quarterbacks in the top six there. The um, Panthers at number seven. The Panthers, quick note, they're like the first team ever. They had every single pick. They went defense the entire way through. So pick seven, they took Derek Brown out of Auburn. You had the Cardinals selecting Isaiah Simmons at number seven or eight, excuse me. The uh, the Jaguars selected C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. The Browns selected Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama and the New York Jets selected Makai Becton at number 11, six foot seven, 364 pounder. He's the one that uh, I think it was one GM came out and said that he likes to cook more than he likes to play football. That to me is a little bit of a concern. He's supposedly a little more athletic than people give him credit for, but hopefully he could slide in at, at the left side. They're probably going to start him out on the right side, but you know, hopefully he's a staple, you know, blocking that blind side for Darnold for years to come. I was a little disappointed because a couple picks later, the at number 13, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Tristan Wirfs, the um, 
a tackle out of Iowa, and there was a video that surfaced of him, man, jumping out of a pool without touching anything, no hands. It was insane, and I wish the Jets would have taken him, but Becton maybe has some more upside, but a little bit more work needed to be done, so who knows? I'm not going to kill the pick. I think the Jets overall had a very nice draft. A couple notable things from this draft, actually, would be in the first round, you had the uh, Green Bay Packers surprising everybody and going out and selecting quarterback uh, Jordan Love. So the fourth quarterback drafted in round one. Many were a little bit shocked because obviously Aaron Rodgers, they, what, 18 months ago just paid him $130 million. Um, But it's interesting because Brett Favre went on record this week, said he spoke to him. Brett Favre they drafted Aaron Rodgers the same age um, that Brett Favre was then is how old Aaron Rodgers is now, 36, I believe. So that's when they drafted Aaron Rodgers when Favre was 36. And same thing, they just drafted Jordan Love at the same age Brett Favre was when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, now you know what it feels like. And Brett Favre made the prediction that the same thing that happened to him will happen to Aaron Rodgers. That remains to be seen, but you know, who knows? Aaron Rodgers has deteriorated over over the years. He's a great, great talent, but it, it, you know this is a business, and in a couple of years they could be ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. The other surprise was the Eagles passing at number twenty one. They passed on Justin Jefferson. They went with receiver, okay, because their number one top receiver a year ago was a former quarterback in college, Greg Ward Jr. They end up going out and picking somewhat of an unknown name, a wide receiver, a speedster wide receiver um, out of TCU by the name of Jalen Rager. And um, then in the second round, they come out with another big-time surprise, the Eagles do, and they select Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma, who I am very shocked got drafted in the second round because honestly, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from his quarterback ability, but I actually see uh, Justin Hurts as a hybrid type of receiver slash running back. I really think he could make, you know, do with that position, that sort of back and forth. I don't really see him as a quarterback, so it's a little shocking. I know the Eagles and Doug Peterson will definitely be drawing up uh, packages for him, maybe to run like three, four, five plays a game. And of course, they do need a comparable backup because um, Carson Wentz can't stay healthy for a full season ever. Um, He's always one hit away from going down for eight, 10, 12 games, six games, here, there, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, interesting there. And Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from the Vi- uh, from the uh, I just gave it away from LSU, goes to the Vikings one pick later. Very interesting because he's an LSU guy. You bet on LSU. They're like wide receiver you at this point, okay? Just like, you know, um, Ohio State has been churning out the cornerbacks. You think of uh, and the wide receivers, really. You think of um, LSU as wide receiver, you Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, you know, the list goes on and on. There are a number of stud receivers out of LSU, and the sure bet to me is to go out and take Justin Jefferson, who I watched throughout the college football season. He obviously won the college football uh, playoff national championship with LSU, and I think he is an absolute stud. Um, He himself was very shocked at the fact that he was the fifth receiver taken off the board. Listen to what he had to say when asked about that. Um, I mean, yes. Uh, You know, I felt like I was 
the best, one of the best, well, the best receiver in this draft class and, you know, being the fifth receiver off the board, uh, it kind of was, you know, a shocker, but also, you know, having that on my shoulders going into this next season uh, with Minnesota. So uh, I'm definitely excited to show the world what, I, what, what else I have in store. Okay, yeah, so that was Justin Jefferson. Sorry, the audio towards the end. This is what happens. Everybody's stuck in quarantine. Wi-Fi signals aren't that great when you're doing a Skype call or a Zoom call or FaceTime interviews like this. So that his internet connection, I guess, started to lag just a tiny bit at the end. But you get the idea. Very shocked. And they asked him, they, they followed up with the question of asking him about, uh, were you surprised that the Eagles passed on you one pick prior? Because the Eagles have a lot uh, of uh, wide receiver holes to fill. And he said, yeah, he was very shocked and it's just going to motivate him to come out in this season and prove to every single team, not just the teams that picked wide receivers, but all 21 teams in front of him that they made a huge mistake. And I think he is going to prove them right. Uh, There was a lot of receivers taken in the first round. Of course, you had um, you had Henry Ruggs. And um, a lot, uh, you had uh, the, the the Raiders, man. They went out and first three picks, they took two receivers, I believe. Uh, Jerry Judy, he went to the Broncos. Henry Ruggs was the first receiver taken off the board, which I thought was a little shocking because most people had Jerry Judy uh, ahead of his college teammate, his running mate, uh, Ruggs. So that was a little weird that the um, Raiders took Ruggs, but a speedster. So they wanted to go out there and fill fill some needs. I guess that's what a couple of these teams did with their receiver th- idea, you know, with their thoughts behind going for these uh, s- speedy receivers. They wanted that depth. They wanted that speed to be able to stretch the field. And there's really not a whole lot of true 6'5 type receivers in this draft. Uh, C.D. Lamb, 6'3". He ends up going to the Cowboys. That's a great fit there for him. Um, I will get to him in a second. Um, but yeah, a lot of receivers, deep uh, receiver class. I forget how many receivers total got drafted, but it was like an unprecedented number of receivers. And then one other quick note before I wrap this up um, is that uh, Randy Moss's son, uh, Thad Ma- Thaddeus Moss, tight end from LSU, he surprisingly did not get drafted. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. But uh, he did end up signing with... Um, as an undrafted free agent, he signed with, that's right, the Washington Redskins. So, um, yeah, that's a good fit there. And then um, a couple other notes is you had the New York Giants. They selected, uh, they had the last pick in this draft, so Mr. Irrelevant. That would be uh, Trey Crowder, the linebacker from Georgia. And then just um, another big surprise was how far Jake Fromm slid in this draft. Many projected maybe he would go second, third round. He ends up falling all the way to the fifth round, and the Buffalo Bills selected him, which I'm a little bit surprised by. Um, I think somewhere in the fourth round or maybe beginning of the fifth round, I tweeted out that this is getting ridiculous. Somebody needs to draft this kid. I watched him play for three years at Georgia. He's an absolute stud. I don't care about his. He's undersized. Russell Wilson's undersized. Drew Brees is undersized. We got to get over that. That's, uh, you know, that theme or that idea that you have to be this hulking Tom Brady 6'5 type of quarterback. Um, As you've seen the position evolve more throughout the years. No, he's not Russell Wilson or Drew Brees, but 
Um, I think he's better than some of the quarterbacks that went ahead of him. Uh, Jacob Easley went ahead of him, and he actually beat out Jacob Easley at Georgia for the starting position to the point where Easley had to transfer to play quarterback at Washington for one year. So it's very intriguing that he went ahead of Fromm. And then um, I think the fact that he didn't have a pro day uh, because of the coronavirus and everything that is culminated with that really hurt him. But personally, I use the eye test. I like what I see from Jake Fromm. I don't care what anyone says. I wish the Jets would have drafted him in the fourth round. Instead, they took a quarterback out of Florida International who started his career at Bowling Green, and he's really like a project. But I mean, I I, I understand I, the Jets had other needs to fill, but realistically, they need a backup because Sam Darnold couldn't stay healthy last season, and their quarterbacks were absolutely atrocious. It was unwatchable football. So just uh, uh, some weird, you know, little things there. And then to me, the biggest surprise in the first round besides the Eagles passing on Justin Jefferson would be what the Kansas City Chiefs did at the final pick, number 32 in the first round, when they selected Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back out of LSU. Because th- to me, that was the really big shocker. And why? Because DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia, was atop everybody's big board as the number one running back in this draft class. Don't ask me that. That's not my opinion. Check with every major outlet, every major analyst or pro that does this. DeAndre Swift was the number one guy. So, uh, yeah, I believe he went with, what, the next pick, the first pick in the second round, something like that. Um, If I'm not mistaken, let me just double check that. Um, No, he was the third pick. That's right. T. Higgins, the wide receiver from Clemson, went to the Bengals. That's right. DeAndre Swift went to the Lions at the third pick uh, of the second round. Uh, Yeah, so, and then um, just real quick back to the Jets because I'm a Jets fan. They got some they got some good picks in the middle rounds. They made a couple of nice trades. They traded with the Seahawks, and they, they went from 48 down to 59, and Joe Douglas still got his guy, Denzel Mims, the speedster out of Baylor. He is going to help Sam Darnold tremendously. Hopefully, he can stay on the field, stay healthy. Um, they made a second trade later with the Patriots, which was nice, gave them a couple picks in the middle rounds, okay, um, they did, they did overall a nice job, the Jets did, okay, in the third round, they got this safety kid, uh, Ashton Davis, from, from Calif, from University of Cal, he was a walk-on in both track and football, and I think he was like the Pac-12 hurdling champion, just a a speedster on the back end. You can't have too many guys on the back end. Maybe slate him in uh, somewhere at corner if need be, whatever. Then they got in the uh, third round. Also, in their second pick in the third round, they got this guy, Jabari Zuniga from Florida. Granted, he's injury prone, which scares me because the Jets have a tendency to go after these guys that have injury concerns, and then they never stay healthy, and they flatten out. Um, they also took LaMichael Pirine. They need a backup running back, so another nice little piece uh, at running back there from Florida. They grabbed uh, the quarterback I was telling you about from FIU was James Morgan. Um, they also got Bryce Hall, uh, the corner from Virginia, who missed eight or nine games last season. Again, another concern. But prior to that, in the 2018 season, this kid was looked upon as t- possibly a second-round pick. So, you know, he has a high upside. A lot of people said he could be the sleeper pick of this draft, so that's nice to hear. And then they also made a, a, a trade with the Colts, and they got a former second-round cornerback from them, who I'm forgetting his name. And then at the la- the, ta- uh, the latter end of the draft, the Jets got uh, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s 
top punter in the draft in Braden Mann out of Texas A&M. So overall, nice, nice draft. And you guys know, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, um, on the draft, but you guys paid attention to it. It was the most watched draft in NFL history. We got to see, um, Roger Goodell's basement. I'm a little, uh, I was a little peeved because I didn't realize, I didn't understand or know how, but behind Roger Goodell on his TV, whenever it was a team's pick and they would, he would announce the pick, there was a, there was a bunch of people on Zoom on his TV, a bunch of fans from, from the team. So the Bengals with the number one pick and it had all these Bengals fans in a grid on the Zoom call. And I'm just wondering how the heck I can get on there. As a Jets fan, nobody sent. I didn't. I didn't receive that memo, so I, I must have missed that. But there were some fun times. We got to see a glimpse of Mike Vrabel's house. His two sons were dressed in like costumes, and unfortunately, there was a reflection in the lighting, and you could see somebody in the background on the toilet. So uh, sorry to whoever that guy was. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a really successful, fun three days of drafting, and Todd McShay couldn't be there, unfortunately, because he got the coronavirus, so he was recovering, um, but the guys on ESPN did a nice job. They filled in well, and, and it, it, to me, was a very successful draft, and it was enjoyable, and I and I watched it, and um, yeah, that that's... The best part was the no glitches and the zero lag, nobody cut out or anything like that. So it was, it was like I said, I keep coming back to the same word, but it was. It was very entertaining and enjoyable. And the fact that I got to Zoom with my friends while we watched it was cool. That just added a, a, a layer, uh, you know, on a layer of icing, if you will, cherry on top. Um, and then, like I said, the, the cool part was seeing the coaches and the GMs with their kids and their families. It really humanizes them and shows you they're just like everybody else. They're stuck at home right now, and they're just have they're having to adapt and do their work, and we got to see Bill Belichick's dog take center stage at his laptop, um, and you got to see um, Adam Gase's uh, family and his son holding his dog. It really humanized him because he gets a bad rap as being, you know, some serial killer type with the googly eyes and whatnot, and so, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun. Overall, it was a fun weekend and, you know, it made us forget about the craziness going on in the world. So kudos and shout out to the NFL for a successful draft. Okay, um back to the Cowboys and CD Lamb. He was their their number 1 pick at number 17, I want to say. To me, he was the top receiver in this draft. That's who I wanted the Jets to draft if they didn't go offensive lineman. I wanted CD Lamb cuz he's got the size and I watched him at Oklahoma and I think he's a stud. Granted, he had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts for, as his quarterbacks for 3 years, but hey, what what are you going to do about that, right? So anyway, um the reason I want to bring him up is that he wanted to wear number 10 with the Cowboys, but Jerry Jones insisted he take number 88. Why is that um, a big deal? Because former Cowboys that have worn the number 88 are Drew Pearson, Michael Irvin, and and Des Bryant. All three very successful. Of course, Drew Pearson is a local kid from my area, uh, South River. He actually played at South River with Joe Theismann. Both of those guys actually won uh, Super Bowls. He was undrafted kid out of Tulane, and he went on to be uh, a very successful receiver with the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's like fourth in in Cowboys history in a lot of categories. Um, and yeah, so now C.D. Lamb has to take elevate his game to the next level and continue on with that legacy wearing the number 88 so very interesting there um the pats were another one 
Of course, Tom Brady left. He goes to the Bucs. What were the Patriots going to do? I assumed at the very least that they were going to select a quarterback at some point in this draft. Well, when the fifth round hit and Jake Fromm was still on the board, they did not select him and instead decided to go with this kicker out of Marshall, uh, Justin Rohrwasser, who's actually a transfer from the University of Rhode Island. I think my sister was there um, when he was a freshman. After they selected him as the number, he was the first kicker off the board, actually. It was very shocking. They went back-to-back tight ends after they made that trade with the Jets, which was a very shocking one, too, especially considering Mel Kuyper saying that it was odd because the two tight ends they took were not on the top of his big board as far as tight ends go. Uh, the kid from Dayton was ranked higher, and they they passed up on him. So very shocking there. Um, and in the end, they don't go quarterback. And now we're left wondering, was that by design? Apparently it wasn't, according to Bill Belichick. They did sign a kid from um, Louisiana Tech, I want to say. I forget his name, uh, after the draft. And then my theory on this is that they were planning all along to not draft a quarterback because if they were they would have just taken Jake Fromm. I don't there's no reason why they wouldn't have taken Fromm in the 5th or the 4th rounds. Secondly, I think that they have their eyes set on one of these free agent quarterbacks. Andy Dalton just got released, I want to say yesterday, so he's now available. Will they sign the Red Rocket? who went to the playoffs in each of his first 4 or 5 years? Granted he's never won a playoff game. Marvin Lewis's fault. Winning his quarterback, I believe, in Bengals history. He le- he has all their statistical records. Will they sign Andy Dalton and turn him into a, a pro bowler again? Will they go out and sign Cam Newton? I don't know. Are they going to try and tank for um, a quarterback in next year's draft? I don't see that happening either because as bad as this offense might be, they have no quarterback, blah, yada, yada, yada. This defense is still primo dynamite defense so I don't think even at the I'm not ready to write them off everybody's ready to say up oh, the Patriots are done this is the Bills division the Jets maybe have a chance this year no no the Patriots are the kings of the AFC East still until they show otherwise so who knows I don't think they're going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence I just can't fathom that whatsoever um so it remains to be seen. I pr- I truly believe, I don't know why I believe this. I don't think Cam Newton fits their system. I don't think they want Cam Newton. Jameis Winston went to the uh, Saints, surprisingly, on a one-year deal worth like $1.1 million. He was willing to take a backseat. He said, he said, put his ego aside, put the money aside. He wants to revamp his career, get that rejuvenation that Teddy Bridgewater got last year. Unfortunately, uh, Drew, uh, Uh, oh my God, Jameis, you're not going to get that because there's no chance. I mean, there is a chance, but there's no shot Drew Brees is going to get hurt again. And is this the time that they're going to um, decide to to go with uh, in another direction, the Patriots, and maybe um, hand the reins over to to, um, Jared Stidham? Although we saw what happened last year against the Jets. He came in when it was a blowout. And then in a heartbeat, the um, after he throws a pick six to Jamal Adams, immediately they pull him and put Brady back in. So um, it, it's very interesting to see whether or not, if Jam- being that Jameis is now with the Saints, um, 
if Drew Brees were to get hurt again or something happens, why would they go to Jameis and not just go to Taysom Hill? Because Sean Payton loves to talk up Taysom Hill, yet every time that there's a problem, it's they need a quarterback, he seemingly puts in um, the backup, whether it, last year it was Teddy Bridgewater and this year maybe it's Jameis. So who knows? I don't think this is going to help him much. But uh, he still, in my opinion, could be somebody that could start somewhere. But for some reason, I have an inkling that the Patriots are going to go out and sign Andy Dalton on like a one or two year deal. That would be my bet. And then Andy Dalton slides in and starts there. He's better than what they have. He's average. And I think it would be a perfect fit for them. Uh, So yeah, that was to me the big shocker is them not drafting a quarterback. Um, The Bears, they recently signed uh, wide receiver veteran wideout Ted Ginn Jr. to a one-year deal. Ted Ginn, man, when he was drafted out of Ohio State, what, like 13 years ago, who would have thought he was going to last this long? But those speedy receivers, they have, if they could maintain that speed, um, they could carve out a nice long career. So he's been in the league 13 years, going on 14. He's been with six different teams. I think this will be his seventh. Um, He proved, you know, he's decent. Last year, he had 30 catches, 421 yards, two touchdowns. He could still run it. His average, um, you know, yards per catch are, are, are up there at the tops of the league every year. So nice little deep threat for the Bears. They also drafted another speedster in their middle rounds um, I believe at the at the wide out position now there's also a new report out there and obviously this is all speculation because everything is still up in the air with COVID-19 the idea that college campuses will not be reopening come fall time meaning that it would be very difficult to justify playing college football if schools are not in session. Now, if that were the case, there are some anonymous sources from the NFL that suggest that the NFL could be willing to play their NFL games on Saturdays in addition to Sundays. Just be, it, And it would make sense when you think about it. The revenue is there. You have these college-hungry uh, football fans that are looking for college football, and boom, you capitalize and you put some games on Saturdays. Um, it, it's, it sounds to me like a good option and one that they would probably definitely consider if college football season gets canceled. I just don't see that happening, uh, the college football season being canceled, that is. But again, uh, everything is changing on a daily basis. I booked a tea time, a foursome tea time on Sunday uh, to play with my dad, my brother, and my grandpa. And my dad just got an email not a couple hours ago saying that unfortunately they had to reduce our our teats our our uh, group to groups of two, and they only had one available because they were all booked up. So our foursome now got reduced to two. So we don't know what we're going to do. My dad's going to call in the morning and see if we could figure something out because obviously we're supposed to go four of us. And now what they're telling us only two people could go. And they're saying it's per Governor Murphy and the state of New Jersey and yada, yada, yada. Um, It's just unfortunate, but these are the times that we live in. It's supposed to be like 78 degrees on Sunday too. It's going to be perfect weather to play golf. So I'm a little bummed out about that, but um, yeah, it is what it is. So we don't know what's going on yet. Things are changing on a dime. Uh, Moving right along, the 2017 draft class was abysmal. At least the top five was abysmal. You have number one pick, Miles Garrett. Of course, he tried to kill Mason Rudolph with his helmet, okay? He is the only player in the top five picks in the 2017 NFL draft that got his fifth-year option exercised. Pick number two, Solomon Thomas, had his fifth-year player option declined. 
He will become a free agent after this season in 2021. You had third overall pick Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, yeah, since they the Bears ended up trading a fifth round pick or fourth round pick for Nick Foles, I don't think that Trubisky will be hearing from the Bears anytime soon. And the fourth pick was Leonard Fournette. He just today had his option declined. Of course, earlier a couple weeks ago, he was on the trade block, so he will become a free agent next season. And then the fifth overall pick is the latest, Corey Davis. He had his option declined with Tennessee. And then if you go a few picks later, at number 20, I believe it was, you had the the uh, Denver Broncos with their offensive lineman, um, Garrett Bowles, his option was declined. All these players in the 2017 draft, yikes. Um, and by not being picked up, all it means for, for those players is that they will become free agents by in the 2021 season. Kind of crazy. Um, one quick thing about the Bears, which I find hilarious, is that, yeah, they spent a fourth round pick on to trade for Nick Foles, who played in, what, three games last year? The Bengals and the Panthers could not trade either Cam Newton or Andy Dalton, and they ended up releasing them. You can't tell me that Nick Foles is better than those two players, or Jameis, that they could have signed. Instead, they the stupid Bears spend a fourth-round pick. I mean, when you get it wrong at the quarterback position, man, you just get it wrong, plain and simple. And I know it because I've seen it, and I've been there, and the New York Jets are the cosmic example of futility when it comes to drafting at the quarterback position. But man, do they look bad after spending a fourth rounder when Andy Dalton and Cam Newton are available options. Okay, um, let's move right along. That covers it for the NFL. And we're going to talk real quick about the NBA. Um, there is serious uncertainty surrounding whether or not the 2020 season is going to resume play. Adam Silver has been really tight-lipped for the most part on whether or not they are going to get back together. I believe that teams and players are now starting to be able to get together to do workouts, um, so that is a good sign. But realistically, um, according to reports, they need about 15,000 COVID-19 tests before they can think about resuming play. And Adam Silver, from what he said and what he has inferred, is that he doesn't want to take these tests away from the general public who may need them more. So it doesn't look like there's any end in sight or any resumption to the season. The latest I heard, I heard a report that August at the earliest was when we were going to resume the NBA season. So whether or not that is the case will remains to be seen. Again, this is changing weekly, daily, hourly, you name it. So we have to just keep an eye out, and I'll keep reporting as I hear it. Also, it was just announced today that the NBA draft lottery and combine have been postponed. They were originally scheduled for later this month in Chicago. So really no surprise there. Um, schools in New Jersey have been postponed through May 15th. I think Governor Murphy is set to make an announcement probably sometime this week about that. I'm, ho I'm not hoping, but I'm I'm thinking that in all likelihood, it's going to be pushed back another month. I honestly don't see us going back. New Jersey, New York, this whole tri-state area has been hit really, really hard in this country. I can't see us going back to school um, this year. So, But uh, yeah, sports, I, I would love to see sometime this summer, hopefully. Um, you know, again, remains to be seen. 
All right, let's talk some baseball real fast. MLB is giving teams the green light to start rolling out individual ticket refund policies. Uh, This is interesting because... um, So, again, the Major League Baseball season was supposed to start at the end of March, early April, and it's been postponed so far. We don't know when the baseball season is going to resume. There was reports that everybody was going to go to Arizona and quarantine there and we would play there. Well, we still don't know. Now, there was a class action lawsuit in the state of California of season ticket holders demanding refunds. So they put in uh, these guidelines in place so teams can start issuing refunds. So what they're going to start doing is is listing games that were posted that were set as postponed, they're going to start marking them as canceled, and then uh, fans will start to get their money back in the next few days for, for those for those first few games, or however uh, many games they're going to do it for, okay? Um, but again, don't get discouraged. There is a new idea in place, a new report suggesting that Major League Baseball is considering a new three-division plan in which teams would play exclusively against division opponents. And what do I mean by that is this. The plan would eliminate the American League and National League for this season only. They would then realign the divisions so there would be a Western division, a Central, and an Eastern division. The West would consist of the from the uh, teams like the Dodgers, the Angels, the Giants, the Astros, the Rangers, Mariners, Diamondbacks, the A's, the Rockies, and the Padres. The Central division would consist of the Cubs, the White Sox, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers. And the East would consist of the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Orioles, Nationals, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins. The only difference here is that in um, the regular divisions that we know now is that the Pirates and the Braves, they would be switched around. The Pirates are usually in the Central and the Braves are in the East. Those were the two switches that they were that they're contemplating there but this is all new um i don't know if they're actually going to do this if baseball does resume this year um if it does you can count orioles first baseman trey mancini out um unfortunately he announced via the players tribune i, th- I want to say either sunday or monday that he has tr- uh, th- uh excuse me he has stage three colon cancer and he will have to undergo about six months of chemotherapy. So even if the season were to resume, he said there's no way he can play because obviously he has cancer. And it's very sad and uh, very shocking. He's a very solid player and a good one at that. And um, hopefully he can, you know, join the list uh, of players, you know, previously, um, professional athletes that have recovered from cancer and gone on to have very successful uh, careers. The the most notable and the most recent in baseball, you have Jamison Tyone. He had testicular cancer. And then in um, the NFL, of course, is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner. So hopefully, I mean, stage three, that sounds pretty serious. But um, these athletes, they're always at peak performance. And if anybody could beat something like this, it's him. So um, we're rooting for you, Trey, and uh, good luck and get well soon. The 2020 Hall of Fame ceremony has been delayed. We will not see Derek Jeter or Larry Walker, as well as the rest of the 2020 class, inducted into the uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony. We won't get to see that until July of 2021. The National excuse me, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum announced its decision to cancel the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. 
The events were scheduled for July 24th through the 27th in Cooperstown, New York. Um, I'm sure this has a lot to do with the fact that New York has been the hardest hit state in this country in terms of COVID and the health and safety concerns surrounding that. So they are going to postpone it. They will now be honored alongside the 2021 class next July. Now, if you blinked, you might have missed this one in baseball news. The Indians' top pitching prospect has been suspended, and that is pitcher Emmanuel Clase. He has been suspended for 80 games. If you're wondering who he is, he is the cornerstone pitcher that the Indians just recently required from the Rangers in the Corey Kluber trade. Clase tested positive for Boldenone, a performance enhancer. He did make his MLB debut with the Rangers last season, posting a 2-3-1 ERA with 21 Ks, 6 walks, and a 1.11 whip over 21 innings. It's a huge blow for the Cleveland Indians. All right, the Kentucky Derby. If you didn't know, the first Saturday of May is always, and happy May, by the way. I didn't get to say that at the top of the show. The first Saturday in May is usually the Kentucky Derby. Well, this is the first time in, what, the 150-year running that we will not have a Kentucky Derby taking place in Louisville. Thanks to COVID-19, it has been postponed to the first Saturday in September. However, thanks to technology, there will be a virtual race taking place tomorrow, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Churchill Downs officials enlisted the help of Inspired Entertainment, which is a tech company, to help recreate the famous racetrack, which will feature, this is the kicker, 13 of its most celebrated Triple Crown winners. I I said it should be a lot of fun. Each of the 13 previous Triple Crown winners was analyzed in depth and assigned a fundamental probability, which is their overall chance that that horse has to win this race. The result is going to be termed is going to be determined by a weighted lottery system, much like the NBA does with their NBA lottery with the ping pong ball. So if you come in last, your odds are better. You have more ping pong balls to get that number one pick. That's the same concept. So that the horse with the best odds to win will have more ping pong balls. And basically they'll pick out the ping pong ball and whichever ping pong ball comes out, that horse gets the win. Of course, the horse with the worst odds you know, the 20 to 1 odds, I think that's the worst odds is 20 to 1. That horse will have, say, two ping pong balls, so less of a chance to win. But hey, it's a lot of luck. It's going to be a lot of fun. NBC will be airing it. And I believe all day long, starting tomorrow at like 8 a.m. on their social media for the Kentucky Derby, you could check that out. They're going to be having uh, events. They're going to be having like vert, like tours and stuff through the stables and everything. It's going to be really cool. And I'm sure there's some rec- a recipe or two. I believe actually there's like a mixing class that they're going to be showing or something on how to make mint juleps. So that's going to be really fun. And I think I will check that out and watch the race. There's no official way to bet on this virtual race from what I was able to uh, research there uh, on the, the website or anything, but I'm sure there's some offshore sites that you could um, look into if you want to bet on this race. Um, the odds for each of the 13 horses that are playing, um, I don't have the odds, but I have the list of all 13 horses in order of which horse has the best odds. You have Affirmed, Assault, Secretariat has the third best odds. I'm not betting against Secretariat. That would be my pick to win. You have Sir Barton, Seattle Slough, American Pharaoh, Gallant Fox, Citation, War Admiral, 
excuse me, Whirl Away, Count Fleet, Justify, and Omaha. And uh, the race should take place around 5.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that should be fun. And then uh, NASCAR, let's move right along. NASCAR announced yesterday that it will resume on May 17th. That happens to be my brother's birthday, actually. The first race will be at Darlington Raceway. So what they're going to do is have seven races over an 11-day period. They will all be held without fans in attendance, of course. The thir- the the three races at Darlington, so they're going to be doing three races at Darlington and then five at Charlotte, so very interesting there. And then a little bit of some sad news. The Little League World Series, I know it was expected, but it's still, you know, it's tough. You love watching the Little League World Series every year. That has been canceled uh, probably for the first time ever. It, it's, yeah, the, it's the first time the organization had to canceled the event. They announced it will create it will credit uh fees paid by chartered affiliates for the 2020 season, which is around 1.2 million dollars. The tournament this is the 74th year of the tournament. Uh the cancellation does include 82 regional tournaments as well as championships for every level. So uh sad sad that we're not going to get to see those kids who work so hard play the sport that they love. In other news, Wake Forest, just days after firing Danny Manning, has found his successor. The school uh, hired former East Tennessee State coach Steve Forbes yesterday. Forbes found tremendous success at Eastern Tennessee State, compiling a win-loss record of 130 wins and 43 losses in five seasons. He won two Southern Conference regular seasons, right? Excuse me, regular season and conference tournament titles. They were set to make their second NCAA tournament appearance under Forbes this season after finishing with a stout 30-4 and record, but of course, the tournament was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And then in other news, LeBron revealed the new logo for Space Jam 2. He revealed it, unfortunately, backwards on the hat that he was wearing, um, and it really kind of looked the same as the regular Space Jam logo, but... You know, I have no expectations for this movie. I don't expect it to be as good as the MJ one. Um, and then speaking of the M- uh, of Michael Jordan, The Last Dance aired episodes three and four over this past weekend, and we will get to see more of that on Sunday with episodes five and six. A lot of insight on Dennis Rodman, the relationship with the Pistons. Oh man, it gave us some great moments. You had Horace Grant calling them. Uh, calling them little bitches after they walked off the court, after the uh, the Bulls swept them. And, and uh, you had Dennis Rodman running to Vegas. More on that later. But just classic. It's all on ESPN. You can watch it on demand. It's been great. Got to catch those first four episodes before five and six airs on Sunday night. Okay, you also today, before I go, you had um, a good, e- a really big, E60 on Alex Smith and his broken leg and the fight that he has endured to to keep that leg and I think he's undergone over a dozen surgeries to repair that that right leg of his uh, or that I think maybe it might have been the left leg I don't remember now but um yeah just scary similar to the Joe Theismann injury of course both in Redskins uniforms but I didn't see this E60 I think it was on at 7:30 I'm going to try to catch it maybe tonight maybe tomorrow if I have time if I remember but uh yeah something to go watch if you're you know stuck inside and bored okay um Last but not least, obviously, we always end this show with On This Date in Sports, and I've got a treat for you. I've got about three of them to talk about. The first one was 
on May 1st, 1991. Ricky Henderson sets the all-time stolen base record, swiping his 939th stolen base passing Lou Brock's uh, record uh, of 938. He actually, Ricky Henderson, did this against the New York Yankees. So uh, take a listen. Here it is. A one-nothing deficit. Ricky goes. A pitch ticket. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson, no contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings, and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Lou Brock was the symbol of great base stealing. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. The greatest of all time, that is no joke. He would go on, Ricky Henderson, to finish his career with, are you listening now? 1,406 stolen bases. He is the only player over 1,000 career stolen bases. To give you even more perspective on that, the active player in Major League Baseball right now with the most stolen bases, if you want to even call him active, he spent most of this past season with the Mets in the minor leagues, is Rajay Davis with 415. The next closest would be D. Gordon with 330. To compare that with Ricky Henderson, that's almost 1,000 more stolen bases than Rajay Davis. That is just staggering. And in this day and age of Major League uh, of Baseball that we live in, you're never in a million years going to see a guy steal that amount of bases. I will, with confidence, go to my grave saying and knowing that no one will ever beat this record ever. It is going to be a record that stands the test of time for sure. Another record that's going to be extremely hard to beat and which coincidentally occurred on the same night Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's record of stolen bases was Nolan Ryan throwing his seventh and final no-hitter against the Blue Jays. He holds the record for most no-hitters with seven. In fact, the list of no of of players of pitchers excuse me with more than two no hitters you can almost count on one hand it is six so you have um if you could guess the six um be my guest um I'll, I'll stall a little bit or you could pause it to try to guess these next couple if you want to do that but you have Nolan Ryan with seven next you have Sandy Koufax with four and then you have Bob Feller, Cy Young, Larry Corcoran, and Justin Verlander with three apiece. And that is it. There are a number of pitchers with two uh, no-hitters, but there's only six with more than two. And if you're sitting here like me wondering who the hell Larry Corcoran is, don't worry. He pitched sometime in the 1880s, so don't feel too bad because I don't know who he is either. But just crazy. And then um, I wouldn't be doing myself justice if I didn't mention this. Um, on this date, 14 years ago, Gianna Marie Onery Bryant, better known as Gigi, was born. Uh, Vanessa Bryant is asking fans to wear red to honor her memory today. Uh, very sad, very sad indeed. Um, obviously, it, it, it's um, no no surprise, but um, you know it's still raw in our hearts on uh, January 26th. 2020, we saw a helicopter owned by Kobe Bryant crash en route to one of uh, his daughter's uh, basketball tournament games, and 
him, his daughter, and seven others perished. And yeah, she would have been 14 years old today. So RIP to Jana, Gigi, Bryant, Kobe Bryant, and the rest of the clan that was on that helicopter. Just, God, I can't even imagine what, what that family and Vanessa Bryant is going through right now. And then finally, there's actually one more. I didn't add into this, but um, this would be the anniversary from uh, May 1st, 1998, when He Got Game was released and we were, uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth was born. So that was, I was six years old at the time that movie came out. I can't vividly say that I remember that movie or even saw it. So that might be something that I go do this weekend is go and uh, find that movie and, and give it a good watch because, uh, you know, Ray Allen as Jesus Jesus Shuttlesworth is just a classic. That's a Spike Lee film right there. So maybe I, uh, maybe I will do that and go watch that. So yeah, I give you some I gave you some bonus on this date in sports. A lot of stuff going on on May first in the history of sports. Very interesting. Okay, then I want to give you real quick a quote of the week before I I let you guys go. This is Jags newly drafted linebacker Kalevon Chasen. He sat down for a Q&A with Bleacher Report. When asked who he is hoping to sack first, his answer may have come as a surprise, but then again, maybe it wasn't. Joe Burrow, never got a chance to touch him at practice, never got a chance to breathe on him, will be the first person I want to hit. After I get him down on the ground, I'll lay on him for a good 10 seconds and take that fine. Make him feel what he missed out on for years. So that is some good stuff right there. Teammates at LSU, of course, uh, Burrow always wore that red jer- that red penny so he could never touch him whatsoever. And now, uh, no love lost between teammates, man. They're in the NFL now. They ain't on the same team. So, uh, you know, gloves are off and you know, all bets are off for that matter. So yeah, I hope uh, Joe Burrow doesn't have to come in contact with, with, with Chasen anytime soon. Okay, without further ado, I give you one of the greatest quotes that we've had to listen to, the pleasure of hearing from The Last Dance. I want to say this was episode three. When Dennis wants to tell me something, I know it's not something that I want to hear. Dennis says, I need a vacation. And I look at Phil and say, Phil, what do you mean? Vacation? He says he needs a vacation. He needs some time off to let loose. I say, look, Phil, let me tell you something, man. I'm not, if anybody needs a vacation, I need a vacation. <laughs> we look at Dennis and say, Dennis, what, what are you going to do? He says, well, I need to go to Vegas. Phil, you let this dude go to vacation, we're not going to see him. You let him go to Vegas, we definitely not going to see him. Isn't it so true? We could all use a vacation from our vacation. Michael Jordan ended up having to go and drag him out of uh, an apartment or a hotel room and Car- while Carmen Electra was hiding under the under the covers. Um, so yeah, just classic stuff right there. Um, here's the hoping that we will get to go on vacation sometime soon, but we all feel Michael Jordan's pain. I will see you guys next week. This is the Pody signing out. Stay safe, everyone.